2: Brian me! Thanks so
3: much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Rich Lowry. Happy to be in New York, heard around the country, uh, heard around the world. Uh, we're waiting to see what's going to happen today. The president's going to go out and speak about infrastructure. But yesterday, he had a big summit with Vladimir Putin virtual. Uh, we're going to go over that. Also, we we're pretty shocked that news broke right here at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Why? Because some 49-year-old lunatic Uh, went into our tree with his uh, newspaper and burned down a half-million-dollar tree that took two or three days to build. It has become rapidly a tourist attraction. But just some psycho who's a 49-year-old, he's been arrested twice this year already. And we don't know if it was a fox attack, but it's emblematic of how crime is out of control in every major city, whether it's the smash and grab in Oakland and San Francisco— uh, or whether it's Philadelphia with 521 shot dead already this year, and a district attorney who says there is no crime problem, or you have a mayor of uh, Chicago who says it's up to these retail stores to put more money into their security as uh, all these robberies and shoplifting things take place. It's crazy, uh, but we're looking to find. Out. I'll give you more on that suspect in just a second, but I do want to get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know. It's
4: Brian's big three. Number three. But literally, who enforces it? Like who's the person? Do you check with each company to make sure all their employees are vaccinated? Are you gonna find the companies if they don't? So
5: we have experience already with private sector, with as I said, restaurants and others, indoor entertainment. We had almost no fines. There was a lot of cooperation. Our Department of Health is gonna work with the business sector. That is total fiction. Total fiction.
3: The reason if there's no fines with the vaccine card is because nobody's infor- no, no one is enforcing it. But when it came to the other things, wearing masks and doing things, Cuomo's minions were uh, belligerent militants. Mandate mania. Courts siding with freedoms and liberty in New York and the nation when it comes to vaccine. And maybe today in the Senate, as at least two Dems have joined Republicans to ban the multiple vax mandates across the country, especially as it relates to contractors uh, working with the government. When will Joe get the message?
6: Number two. Some of the retailers downtown in Michigan Avenue, I will tell you, I'm disappointed that they're not doing more to take safety uh, and make it a priority. For example, we still have retailers that won't institute um, plans like having security officers in your stores. Do you believe this? So
3: Mayor Lori Lightfoot is saying retailers, put armed guards in your stores so we can start shooting shoplifters now. And the deterrent thing is not happening because if you're not a bonded officer, you can't carry a gun and you're there just to deter crime and no punishment. No city is safe and the lefty squad like D.A.'s and zealots are the reason, as even Fox Christmas tree, as you just heard on our plaza, goes up in flames. Thanks to some psycho last night, even the White House knows they cannot be associated with this pro criminal
4: policy. Number one, President Biden was direct and straightforward with President Putin, as he always is. He told President Putin directly that if Russia further invades Ukraine, the United States and our European allies would respond with strong economic measures.
3: Wow, it sounds brutal. Last shot, Joe, to back off our two foes, China and Russia, Biden versus Putin, no script, no prompter, and a lot at stake. What took place during the Joe Vlad sit-down, what it means for you and the Ukraine, and while China lashes out after our diplomatic boycott of their Winter Olympic Games. So, it's all happening simultaneously, let alone what Iran's doing, and we'll discuss that in a second. So what happened? I'll give you the readout from the White House. President Biden voiced deep concerns of the U.S. and European allies about Russia's escalation of forces in the Ukraine uh, and would respond with strong economic and other measures in the event of a military escalation. President Biden reiterated the support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. So, Kremlin on the, on the, on the summit. Joseph Biden, for his part, emphasized the allegedly threatening nature of the movements of Russian troops near the Ukrainian border and outlined sanctioned measures that the United States and its allies would be ready to apply in the event of a further escalation of the situation. In response, Putin stressed the responsibility should not be shifted to the shoulders of Russia since it's NATO that is making dangerous attempts to conquer Ukrainian territory and is building up its military potential at our borders. Okay. There's a lot of fiction there. Obviously, NATO's not building up anything. They're supplying Ukraine with weapons because the Ukrainians lost Crimea, Crimea, and now they have been infiltrated. And for the last eight years, they've taken wide swaths of Ukrainian territory and just have these Ukrainian so-called green soldiers, these uh, Russians, without getting the Russian soldiers' names, they're occupying, and they could take the country in a matter of moments. So Ukrainians fight very tough and they'll be tough to beat, and they'll get gummed down there. But they want control of the Ukraine, and they don't want them to be a NATO nation. So they've been there since 2014. So what could actually Joe Biden do? Well, Joe Biden, showing the folly of letting the Nord Stream 2 pipeline finish, that's what Trump said, stop it, which, if just to review, it allows oil and gas to flow from Russia through the Baltics around the Ukraine, through Germany, and through Western Europe. Why would you allow Russia, clearly an enemy, to have control of your energy source? Well, it's no big deal. It's almost done, Joe Biden tells us. Now they're saying that we're going to threaten not to put the Nordstrom 2 online if you invade. Well, I thought it was no threat to you. You gave them that. You ripped out the missile shield under Barack Obama for no reason. You gave them back their missile deal, which they were cheating on, that Trump ripped up. And now you let him do the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which Trump stopped. So glad he won, right? Here's
4: Jake Sullivan on what he's prepared to do. Cut for it. There's a lot of work to do in the days ahead. As we pursue diplomatic channels, we will also prepare for all contingencies, just as we have been doing for weeks now, including through the preparation of specific responses to Russian escalation, should they be required. Specific Robust, clear responses should they be required. So
3: they don't like that we have influence over the Warsaw Pact nations outside Belarus. They think they're threatened by NATO. You know what they're threatened by? Freedom, because the people of Russia probably say to themselves, Why does everyone around us seem to be a lot happier and more fulfilled and have the freedom to move around and don't have to worry about being by, arrested by some secret police at their house? I'm not sure. I'm not sure really what took place here. We don't have an exact transcript yet, but I'm sure it's out there. Maybe it'll emerge. So the question is, were they deterred? And the embarrassment of the Western world led by Joe Biden if they, in fact, do invade? Mara Liason of of NPR, cut 10.
7: I think the big question from today is when Jake Sullivan says he looked Putin in the eye and says we're going to do things that we didn't do in 2014, what does that mean? Does that mean... CANCELING RUSSIA'S ACCESS TO THE INTERNATIONAL BANKING SYSTEM THROUGH A PROGRAM CALLED SWIFT? DOES IT MEAN THAT you'd that WOULD IN EFFECT FREEZE THE BANK ACCOUNTS OF OLIGARCHS AND PRESIDENT PUTIN? I MEAN, THAT WOULD BE SOMETHING THAT WOULD PROBABLY HURT. BUT IF THEY JUST DO THE KIND OF SANCTIONS THAT THEY DID IN 2014, WE KNOW THAT THAT DIDN'T DETER PUTIN FROM ANNEXING CRIMEA. SO WE HAVE TO SEE WHAT THE U.S. AND ITS EUROPEAN ALLIES COME UP WITH THAT WOULD REALLY MAKE A DIFFERENCE TO RUSSIA.
3: On China, we have decided a diplomatic boycott of China, our two main enemies, and we worry about them going into Taiwan. They're upset by that. Here's what Jen Psaki approaches as we look at deterrence. Is it working? Cut 12.
0: The Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games, given the PR scene's ongoing genocide and crimes against uh, humanity in Xinjiang and other human rights abuses. The athletes on Team USA have our full support. We will be behind them 100% as we cheer them on from home. We will not be contributing to the fanfare of the games.
3: What about the sponsors? Good news, Australia joins the U.S. in a diplomatic boycott. That's great. But why didn't he get more people involved and announce the boycott with their allies at the same time? That would maybe give it a little bit more weight. I personally don't like making the athletes pay the price. I don't want to see them miss their window. And I'm not talking about the dream team who are rich already or hockey players that I'm not sure to head over heels to compete. They already have the world championships, their World Cup. I'm not even talking about the soccer team. That's about the spring games, the downhill skiers, the speed skaters, uh, the biathletes. They have one moment. I want to see them get it. I hate to see it stopped. But I do think the re- the return of China not coming to our spring games in Los Angeles, and then people say, who cares? I care, and athletes care. They want to know they're the best in the world. And China is always second or third. In total metal. So I think it matters. The other area I want to bring up, we'll talk about deterrence and what you think. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. 408 7669 The problem is no one believes it. Joe Biden, there's no proof that he brought up even getting off the swift international monetary system that would devastate their economy. There's no sense it even brought up, there's no confirmation even brought up Nord Stream 2. Just like he never told Joe Manchin how to vote or never told the Senate to support his infrastructure deal. He just comes in, kind of just waxes poetically says something incomprehensive and leaves. That's his method of leadership. And whatever you do, Joe, don't trust your instincts. When it comes to crime and punishment, what we're seeing now is nuts. The video of, uh, of, um, of looting that we're seeing in San Francisco, in Oakland, in Philadelphia, in New York, in some places, it's organized. Evidently, you pay some of these uh, thugs $1,000 to go in there, steal some stuff, and the organized crime actually gets the stuff with the tags on it. And they sell it at bazaars and open fields on corners. So it's 100 percent profit and nobody pays the price. But according to AOC, it's not really happening. Really, it's not really happening. Cut 16.
6: We have to talk about the specifics because, for example, we're actually seeing a lot of uh, these allegations of organized retail theft are not actually panning out. Like when, like these, believe it's a Walgreens in California, cited it, but what they, but the data
3: didn't back it up. So. The data didn't back it up? What do you have to see, empty shelves, guys with the stuff in their pockets? Why don't you talk to someone at Walgreens or Gucci or all those other stores that were looted and caught on tape? The... Between Cori Bush saying, I'm going to defund the police, AOC denying there's these smash-and-grab operations happening around the country, and the murders on the rise in every major city, Jen Psaki knows we got to stop the bleeding. You know she has got a break with the White House from ridiculous squad sermons like that. Cut 19.
0: Does the president believe that organized retail theft is really happening, and should it be on the stores themselves to take action to prevent it? Well, we we don't agree. We have seen some of these extremely video uh, extremely disturbing videos showing retail thefts and both major retailers as well as state and local leaders like Gov- Governor Newsom have identified this as a serious concern. We agree uh that's the reason why we have um sent additional support uh from the FBI providing additional assistance it's one of the reasons why we have also been uh, the president and members of our administration have been long time advocates uh, for uh supporting and funding the cops program so i think his record speaks for itself on this
3: yeah panic defund the police reimagine the police in portland they say only we're only going to come for level 1 emergencies because they have no police? And now you have people like Mayor Lightfoot blaming stores for not providing security. Really? Don't people pay taxes for cops? And couldn't you show a little bit of respect? Downtown Chicago business now fearing for their safety amid the rash of thefts during the holiday season. That's not exactly the Christmas spirit I was counting on. What about you? And talk, talk about what's the mindset of the criminal. One, found a camera, wearing a mask, said this. Cut 21.
2: I think that they're, uh, they're not very good because uh, I've personally ha- uh, been able to shoplift from here with relative ease. So
1: You shoplifted here? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? I was hungry. And so you're saying that this doesn't deter you?
2: Uh, yeah.
3: He's not hungry. The guy looks like, by get a job, what do you mean you're hungry? You're hungry. Uh, I wasn't looking at a uh, a helpless, homeless person. He looks like a 22-year-old who could be working three jobs in a day, little one walking in and stealing stuff because he knows he's not going to be prosecuted. It's so easy to fix this. I don't know how much longer you're going to take this. I'm going to take this before we just everybody just leaves to the few governors and mayors that want to protect their people and back their cops. So we'll talk about this. We have a lot to say. Uh, including what happened here last night. And listen, who cares? I know what you're saying. Who cares about a, a Christmas tree? Well, what happened is it's a tourist attraction. What happened is it happened in one of the safest districts uh, in all New York at uh, one of the most famous cities in the entire world, and 48th and 6th, and we have our own private security. But one lunatic with a newspaper and a lighter, all he needs is one moment, and he did it, and he had a raging fire. Thank goodness there was nothing near it uh, last night. Now, who is this guy? Here's the suspect. He is 49-year-old Craig Tomaha, homeless, last known address Brooklyn, charged with criminal mischief, reckless endangerment, arson, criminal nuisance, endangering others, criminal trespass, criminal tampering, disorderly contact. Now, Tomaha is expected to appear in court today. He's got three prior arrests, two for drugs, one for public intoxication. Uh, you listen to Brian Kilmeade Show, a lot to discuss. I want to hear what you have to say, one 408 7669
2: Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
6: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to
4: your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
3: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: We are not seeing a very severe profile of disease. In fact, it might be, and I underscore might, be less severe. Uh,
3: Anthony Fauci, anyone about to ruin my day, just play me an Anthony Fauci cut. He's so full of it. We said that. The South African health expert told you that. We're seeing some mild symptoms of a new variant. Not None are severe. Runny nose, a low fever. And now to, a week later, he said, runny nose, low fever, we're not seeing severe infections. The market goes back up 400 points. First, it dropped almost 1,000. And now eight countries get a travel ban from every Western nation. And that's the punishment they get for being honest and candid. And China doesn't get any punishment at all for still deceiving the world on how this happened. Uh, Bob is listening on WLAD, our coveted affiliate in Connecticut. Hey, Bob.
9: Hey, Brian, what's up? I just wanted to know, what uh, um, last year, all the doctors and scientists all told us we got the right to get the shot, not get it. Now, a year later, everybody you watch on TV, the news and everything else, they're always saying, get the shot, get the booster, do this, do that. So I know people that went out and got it. And I know three people that died of heart attacks. A couple of them got blood clots. I know a girl that can't get pregnant. And it's like like they're pushing it. They're pushing it. They say kids couldn't do it. Kids don't need masks.
3: I I, I hear you. That's why I'm not pushing it. I, I decided to get it. I have a lot of doctors here, and I got my own. I talked to them, and I did it. But why is Joe Biden my doctor now? But they say this, is that, well, if you don't get it, then that that means this, that, this variant or this uh, COVID-19 will never go away. But if you get natural immunity and get the antibodies like everything else, then what is the difference between natural immunity and this vaccine? Natural immunity has got more of a track record. So we're at herd immunity. Back off. Enough. It doesn't hold up in court. America is a land of liberty and freedom to make choices. Today, I spent the whole day interviewing people that lost their jobs. Uh, with the fire department, uh, 90, people at, at the fire department over Los Angeles about to be fired today. I talked to two nurses who got fired from Sloan Kettering. Six-figure nursing jobs there for over 20 years because they didn't want to get the shot. They already had the virus, and they feel unsettled about the shot. So they got fired on voicemail. These are the people we beg to work and we're banging pots for. That's the city of New York, not the city, uh, any city in Florida. When we come back, Rich Lowry joins us. We put in perspective what he knows about what happened with Vladimir Putin yesterday and Joe Biden.
5: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to
2: foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: The Biden administration, what a joke. I mean, this is the bare minimum to say they're not going to send diplomats. Uh, They need to to be clear. These Olympics should never be held in China. They should be moved. They should have been doing this the entire time they've been in office.
3: That is uh, former governor, now Senator Rick Scott from Florida, He's been pushing for a ban on a boycott. But we got a diplomatic boycott. Rich Lowry writes us. He joins us now. He's a writer, and editor for the National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich, what do you think about this move? Um, my main critique with this is that it, our allies are a phone call away. Australia joined us yesterday. But why couldn't we do this with the force of NATO or the EU?
12: Yeah. So first of all, speaking of the Olympics, can I brag about something? I'm, I'm here in L.A., and last night I met Al Michaels on the street, who, who had the great greatest sports call of all time with the uh, Olympics in ni- nineteen eighty. That's it. That's it. I so, Rich, do so you know tickled. who you were? Uh, no. Who <laughs> could that be? know he didn't.
3: I, I knew. I know um, he's a fan of Fox, and he's a great guy, and he is by far the best. Who knows? We might even have that call by the end of this uh, interview. But now that you're bragging, you're in L.A. and you're wearing a mask everywhere, right?
12: Yeah. <laughs> Of course, of course. And I was actually in a restaurant and and it was fairly relaxed uh, in in there. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Why just Australia? Um, I I think the problem here, first of all, the IOC is the main villain. Never should have given it to China. Clear when they decided in 14 or 15, whenever it was, that this was a mistake. And they've never been willing to shift gears. and, And we didn't focus enough on it. You know, a year or two, Ago, we should have, you know, get together with some Nordic countries that are huge in the Winter Olympics, and just say we're not going, guys. Sorry, you know, we're we're going to do it someplace else. We're going to organize our own games in, in Switzerland or, or whatever it is, and pressure the IOC to change. We didn't do that, so real late date. Uh, not a lot of great options. So I've talked to some folks that think the diplomatic boycott's a mistake. The thing to do is, you know, send a delegation and and make them all human rights. Uh, people, You know, your ambassador for religious liberty. Send, send him or her there and, and have have that person speak out every single day about what's happening. But uh, um, it's better than nothing, probably. But, yeah, why why would you have done a big bang with a lot of other countries? That I don't get.
3: All right. So you talk about that. So is China getting the message? Are they watching what happened in Afghanistan? They're watching how we're handling Russia, watching what's happened with the Iranian deal. Do you think that they are waiting on Taiwan by how we're acting in those circumstances I just mentioned?
12: I do. They they got to be watching. Um, you know the, the the this thing with Russia just it it has a, a sense. You know who knows what what'll happen. I don't think Putin knows whether he's really going to go or not. But if he does, you know we have limited options. You know we'll impose economic sanctions. Um, we'll, we'll see how meaningful they are. But if he basically gets away with it, China has to has to think. Well, you know that that's a flashing green light for us. So. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if China goes after Taiwan the next year or two, based on the premise we're real weak, have an extremely weak president, and the the military balance might um, th- this might be the maximum disparity in China's favor going ahead. Because if nothing else, we we got to start on arming, arming Taiwan to the teeth with the kind of weapons they need to try to deter invasion. You know, missiles, mines, all this kind of non sexy stuff, not fighter planes and the kind of stuff they've been buying to this point.
3: What about that? That would help because were Ukrainians do fight, they just need a shot. And the last thing any superpower wants is to be gummed up in a conflict. You know, China hasn't had to be in a war merely since they tried to teach a lesson to Vietnam, and that didn't go well. And then you have does uh, Russia just would like to help Assad against a bunch of terrorists? The Ukrainians will fight you.
12: Yeah. So. It- I'm not an expert on the Russian military or Russian defense, but I think they the they'll, they'll go if they go. You know, it's not as though they're going to sweep to Kiev or something. They're going to take a chunk of the country and try to hold it and get out, and not just have a a massive, ongoing uh, invasion. But we'll see. You know, Putin punches above his weight. You know, this is a second-rate country, but he he's made geopolitical gains across the board and set the pace you know, for the world the last couple of years. And this is just another example because he's he's audacious.
3: He's been in the Ukraine since 2014, took Crimea, tried Crimea under the previous administration. Remember, the previous administration took out the missile shield without being asked as a sign of goodwill. And guess how Vladimir Putin interpreted that? Weak. And guess what else they did? They went back into a missile agreement that Trump said they were cheating on. We're going to redo it. He went back in. He also signed off on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, Rich, for you or I, we would say, "Wow, it would have been Evelyn Act. Maybe I have a legitimate partner. But the Russians don't interpret it that way.
12: Right. And this is the great irony, right? So Trump was supposed to be a tool of Russia, totally owned by Vladimir Putin. And did, did Putin do anything like this? This is the second time in in the last year since Biden's been president that he's moved troops to the border of Ukraine. The first time was a feint. Hopefully, this one is just a feint. But nothing like that happened under Trump. And even if you disagreed with things Trump said about Putin, the policy was tough. It was tougher than uh, Obama, and it was tougher than than Biden. You know, Tr- Trump made a huge deal of opposing the Nord Stream uh, pipeline that Biden waved through in a huge victory. For Putin. So if, if immediately after the guy who's supposed to be the tool of Putin leaves office, you have a major Russian invasion of Ukraine, that will be highly ironic, to say the least.
3: Here is Jake Sullivan yesterday. Uh, with, he's the National Security Advisor. Cut to.
4: He also told President Putin there's another option, de-escalation and diplomacy. The United States and our European allies would engage in a discussion that covers larger strategic issues, including our strategic concerns with Russia and Russia's strategic concerns. I will look you in the eye and tell you, as President Biden looked President Putin in the eye and told him today, that things we did not do in 2014, we are prepared to do now. Really?
12: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what would get their attention besides, and I don't know whether we go here, cutting them off from the international financial system, which would be a, a huge blow. Uh Otherwise, I, I, would, I would think they, they believe they can, they can weather it. In the end of the day, Europeans want to get along with them. They want the, the, the gas and, and the oil. Uh, even if they cut, cut off the pipeline, it'll only be temporary. And the problem Biden has now is he's, he's pretty committed, right? When, once you have everyone saying he, – he, your own people saying he looked Putin in the eye and told him not to do this, if Putin does do it, it's, it's going to be another factor looking at, making him look weak and ineffectual.
3: I mean, he has a story that I'm sure never took place. I looked Putin in the eye and said that you don't have a soul. And he came back and yeah. said, yeah, um, now we understand each other. I'm sure that never happened, judging by every other story that Joe Biden tells.
12: Yeah, they're they're replaying that, that uh, last night somewhere, and I had the same instinct. It sounds like a Biden tall tale. I mean, it's just not – that's not something you actually say to someone, right? I mean, but, especially, you know, you're a high-level politician – uh, like that's idle chit chat, and that and that Putin would have that reaction is too good to be true. Oh, now and we under, at least we understand each other, you know. So I, I, I don't believe that one either.
3: Uh, a couple other things: the Nord Stream two pipeline. Uh, they say, according to one report, uh, Germany says that if they invade, they won't uh, fire it up. Okay, doesn't that show you that it does have strategic advantage for the Russians? And once oil and gas starts flowing through there. The Russians now have the lever of power over them. And why would Germany decide not to fire up when they took slings and arrows for the last 10 years in order to do a deal they had no business doing? And when this new, uh, the soon-to-be leader of Germany was asked about this, he would not commit to that at all, of not firing up the Nordstrom two pipeline.
12: Yeah, it just seems to me, even if they don't start it— are they really just forevermore after all this this diplomatic flack they they've taken and how committed they've shown themselves to this? For, for years, you know, we, we can say that Biden blessing Nordstrom pipeline is a sign of weakness towards Russia, which it is in part. But it's mostly a sign of weakness towards Germany, you know, because Germany really wanted this. So they really like a year from now, even after invasion, are they, they not going to start it like forevermore? It's just going to molder there and do nothing that's hard to believe.
3: Right. And Richard, the other big, big story uh, in this country I believe, is how the Democrats are starting to realize that a lot of their major issues, the left that's been leading, is going to cause them a lot of harm. I want you to hear what AOC said about the smashing grabs that are taking place in San Francisco, in Oakland, uh, in Los Angeles, and in in some places in Chicago. Cut 16.
6: We have to talk about the specifics because, for example, we're actually seeing a lot of uh, these allegations of organized retail theft are not actually panning out. Like when, like these, believe it's a Walgreens in California cited it, but what they, but the data didn't back it up. So.
3: Really? So here's Jen Psaki on that question. Cut nineteen.
0: Does the president believe that organized retail theft is really happening, and should it be on the stores themselves to take action to prevent it? Well, we we don't agree. We have seen some of these extremely extremely disturbing videos showing retail thefts, and both major retailers as well as state and local leaders like Governor Newsom have identified this as a serious concern. We agree. Uh, That's the reason why we have um, sent additional support uh, from the FBI, providing additional assistance. It's one of the reasons why we have also been, uh, the president and members of our administration have been longtime advocates uh, for uh, supporting and funding the COPS program. So I think his record speaks for itself on this.
3: Cops need people in every single city, and they don't get much support from the White House, but he is definitely breaking from the squad here. And Cory Bush, if I saw Cory Bush right now, uh, the Congresswoman, she would come out and say, right now, defund the police. That will, that will absolutely slice the neck of the Democratic Party, and they know that, don't they?
12: Yeah, I mean, good, good for Saki for at least being a little attached to reality here. I mean, it's just a fact that there are these massive organized rings. I mean, some of them have been broken up in in the Bay Area. I think take one was, was uh, they found a warehouse where there are one point eight million dollars worth of of razors. You know, the people stole from drugstores over time and they, they they give to these people and then they sell online. So th- this is just what's happening. And clearly, with the smash and grabs. You know, even Chase Bodine, this horrible, progressive DA in San Francisco, he didn't want this to happen. But what they did, it's a classic broken windows phenomenon. You tolerate low level theft, right? So you create the idea theft is okay. And then that idea spreads. And then you have people doing even more flagrant acts of theft, like these smash and grabs. And, you know, people respond to incentives and in what they see. So it started happening in the Bay Area. And now it's happening all over the country. You know, it's happening in Chicago, where we had had another ridiculous statement from Lori Lightfoot, the mayor out there, also blaming the stores. The idea that we have this extensive uh, government infrastructure in the United States that is totally incapable of hiring and deploying enough law enforcement resources to protect stores from this act of, uh, of theft and instead is supposed to be the store's fault is really disturbing. Not
3: over, though. You would think that some are sobering up, and they are, like you heard Jen Psaki realizing that the White House is in a lot of trouble if they sign on to this. Larry Krasner, another one of those left-wing DAs, like Waukesha, like Los Angeles, like San Francisco, said this about the spike in Philadelphia crime. Cut 20.
8: I think it's important that we don't let this become mushy and bleed into the notion that there's some kind of a big spike in crime. There, isn't. there is not a big spike in crime that is not true there is also not a big spike in violent crime neither one of these things is true basically we don't have a crisis of lawlessness we don't have a crisis of crime we don't have a crisis of violence
3: that is so wrong even democratic former democratic mayor michael nutter Responded in an op ed. Larry Krasner owes an apology to five hundred and twenty-one families of Philadelphia homicide victims. He goes on. It takes a certain audacity of ignorance, and he said white privilege to say that right now. As of Monday, five hundred and twenty one soul spirits have been vanquished, eliminated, murdered in our city of brotherly love and sister of affection, and the most since nineteen sixty. I have to wonder what kind of messed up world of he said white wokeness. I please don't don't include me in this. Krasner is living in, to have so little regard for human lives, lost many of them black and brown, while he advances his own national profile as a progressive district attorney. This is Democrat against Democrat. I think that's important.
12: Yeah. yeah. And and it just it just shows Michael Nutter, you know, when he was mayor, we would have thought, oh, he's the cu- cutting edge of, of progressivism. He He's on he the, was. the fringe. Um but he's not anymore because he's been uh, leapfrogged by these, these other folks. And I think there's something when he, when he says white woke, he, he's getting at something important. Th- this kind of thinking is not really driven by a- average African-American or Latino folks, many of whom, as Nutter points out, are, are the victims of this uh, wave and murder. This is a phenomenon that is centered among w- white upper middle class progressives. They're the people who are are the base of these progressive DAs who've been elected all around uh, the country in these cities and and are doing such a horrific job. They're the ones who who try to explain it away. They're the ones who don't really care at the end of the day because they don't live in these Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. So I I think we saw the same thing with Eric Adams. You know, Eric Adams hit crime harder than any Democrat in the primaries in in New York and got a lot of African-American support because he knew, actually, African-Americans want to be safe. And he said during that campaign he's never gone to a community meeting ever where someone said – a real person said, I want fewer cops. Let's have less cops in my neighborhood. No one has said that. So it's it's this wild uh, left-wing ideology that is detached from reality and yes maybe not all violent crimes uh, across the board are spiking but when murder alone is spiking that's nothing not something you should be trying to explain away and, and half right. off the nutter
3: right rich lowry are you gonna have to answer the question what was better my segment where i gave you six minutes or a passing hello to al michaels
12: <laughs> a passing hello i guess. Oh, I say, that hurts a passing hello but we didn't hit the most important story of the morning, which is the burning of the Fox Christmas tree, which is another symbol of, of, of where, where this country and our City is.
1: Yeah,
3: oh, we'll replace it, but $500,000 less, uh, we are out of our coffers. Rich, thanks so much, and
12: listen to this. Hey, thanks so much, Brian.
10: The off gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now.
12: Tomorrow Yourself. five seconds left in the game you believe in miracles
5: yes unbelievable
2: it's Brian Kilmeade from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben
5: Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now
2: by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, so I, in case you don't know, uh, one of the things, I know it's just a tree, and it's nothing compared to the muggings and the shoplifting and the murders that are happening in these cities. But to me, when I walked in this morning and found out that Shannon Bream, last night in the middle of her show, cut live to 48th and 6th, where we got this behemoth tree bigger than the one at Rockefeller Plaza, you know, artificial tree. And some lunatic, 49-year-old, he's apprehended he's going to be arraigned today, who's been arrested twice already this year, walked in and burned the tree down. He had a newspapers lit the tree, lit the newspapers, got in. They tackled him within 90 seconds. Cops flooded the area, but the tree was a raging fire. Burned that We had small trees around it. That burned to the ground. Some of the real trees in the planter, they burned to the ground. They told me that in the first floor, so I got in 340, so it's only been two hours since it was out. It would look like daytime. There was so many flashing lights and spotlights and the police tape, it looked like daytime. So I'm saying this is bad. And I thought, oh, maybe it's at the block on 49th, but if I got close, it was 48th. They said the whole first floor was full of smoke. Think about that. You can't even have a Christmas tree in New York in one of the most beautiful, richest areas in the country, which is a top tourist area once again, where you can't even walk down the street because it's so crowded. And it burned to the ground. And you'll see some of the video. We have the video. We're going to bring it back. But it's just what you're all going through. I see it on a daily basis. Been coming here since after two months back in the city. You're probably seeing the same thing. It's easy to rein it in, but so far there's no willingness in these inner cities to do just that. Thanks to everyone who came out to Amelia Island yesterday and saw me. Uh, It was great to sign all your books and see some great people in Florida.
5: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
6: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: From the Fox News radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, where last night we watched our Christmas tree uh, that has been here at Bigger Than the One on Rockefeller Plaza has become a destination over the last three years go up in flames, thanks to some lunatic that we're still getting information on. Now, I don't want to say that the Christmas tree is the worst thing that's happening in every major city. It's not. But to me, it's emblematic of the lawlessness that's taking place in the city by you, whether it's. Walk a shawl when you're trying to go to a parade and you find out you're being steamrolled by somebody that had no business being out of jail. Or you decide you're going to go shopping at Gucci's or you want to work there and a smash and grab leaves you uh, paralyzed and maybe beaten up. Or you're at a party in Pacific Palisades, a rich area of the Los Angeles area, right before, right after Santa Monica. And next thing you know, your house is being burglarized with you in it. Uh, That is some of the lawlessness that we're seeing uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Brett Bear at the bottom of the hour, just fresh off the defense summit over at the Reagan Library, talking to Secretary of Defense, uh, Secretary of defense Austin, and we'll try to make sense of what happened yesterday in that virtual summit with uh, Joe Biden. And uh, we're privileged to have with us right now, who's going to talk about this, was actually on the air last night with Shannon, uh, and that is John Annarelli. Uh, John has uh, been with the FBI SWAT team, participating in the investigation of the Oklahoma City bombing and 9-11. This, John, is not nearly as big, I get it, but as an FBI special agent, I would love to unwind what is happening in our city. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. But literally, who enforces it? Like, who's the person do you, do you check with each company to make sure all their employees are vaccinated? Are you going to find the companies if they don't? So we have experience already
5: with private sector, with, as I said, restaurants and others, indoor entertainment, we had almost no fines. There was a lot of cooperation. Our Department of Health is gonna work with the business sector.
3: No one's working with the business sector. It's nothing but adversarial. And that is the ridiculous mayor trying to stick it to Eric Adams uh, before he takes over. The mandate mania court siding with freedom and liberty in New York and the nation when it comes to vaccines. And maybe today in the Senate, as at least two Dems have joined Republicans in banning the Vax mandates by President Biden.
6: Number two, some of the retailers downtown in Michigan Avenue, I will tell you, I'm disappointed that they're not doing more to take safety uh, and make it a priority. For example, we still have retailers that won't institute um, plans like having security officers in their stores. Is that unbelievable? That is Mayor
3: Lightfoot. Crime and no punishment. No city is safe, and the lefty squad like DAs and zealots are the reason, as even Fox Christmas tree goes up in flames on our plaza last night. Even the White House knows they cannot be associated with idiotic comments like the ones you
4: just heard. Number one. President Biden was direct and straightforward with President Putin, as he always is. He told President Putin directly that if Russia further invades Ukraine, the United States and our European allies would respond with strong economic measures.
3: We don't know exactly what happened. Last shot, Joe, to back off our new two foes, China and Russia. Biden versus Putin, no script, no prompter, and a lot at stake. What took place during the Joe Vlad sit-down? What it means for you and the Ukraine while China lashes out after our diplomatic boycott of their Winter Olympic Games, which is about to start. With me right now is John Ionarelli. John, you were uh, rolling your eyes uh, when you heard Mayor Lightfoot blame the retailers for not putting enough money into security.
10: It's ridiculous. Retailers are supposed to be retailing, selling products. Their job is not to worry about law enforcement security. That's the job of the city. But unfortunately, Mayor Lightfoot has decided to take that power away from law enforcement and is putting it on the backs of people who can't make a living as it is in that city.
3: And by the way, if you are a security guard, even if you're bonded, even if it's you, John, are you allowed to make arrests? Are you allowed to carry a gun?
10: Or are you just your presence is the deterrent, really? Your presence is supposed to be a deterrent, but you know what? Glass counters are not a deterrent for breaking them and stealing the items. People working the store are not a deterrent. It's ridiculous. You need to let the cops do their jobs, and the mayor needs to back off from what she's saying. It's ridiculous.
3: So what we're seeing now is when you see what happened in Waukesha in a parade, when you see the smash and grabs in San Francisco, Oakland, and, and, Cal- and in Los Angeles, and you see the 521 homicides this year in Philadelphia— What is the common denominator? The weak DAs who make it their focus not to prosecute with these no-cash-bail
10: stories. Well, Brian, part of the problem is when you have these DAs setting these policies, it's also messaging to police departments. Law enforcement is not going to go out and make arrests of people that they know are not going to be prosecuted and that are going to be quickly released. So in essence, you're encouraging crime by telling the cops, don't arrest these people no matter what.
3: So when you see this cash and grab, and it finds out as they unwind it, the these mostly men, uh, young, they run into these stores, high end, and they raid them. And they're getting evidently $1,000 each, and they provide all the, uh, get all the stolen goods, and they give them to organized crime. And organized crime is reselling them for 100% profit, a lot with the tags still on them. This is an industry.
10: It absolutely is an industry. Meanwhile, people like you and I and the good people in New York go out and spend our hard-earned money to buy these items legitimately, but law enforcement is hamstrung from being able to stop these events when you arrest them and then you turn them out to go and commit these same crimes the very next day.
3: So here is uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Queens is not without crime, but according to her, nothing's organized. Cut 16.
6: We have to talk about the specifics because, for example, we're actually seeing a lot of uh, these allegations of organized retail theft are not actually panning out, like when, like these believe it's a Walgreens in California cited it, but, what they, but the data didn't back it up.
10: So. I have no idea where she's getting her non-facts from. It's ridiculous. All you have to do is turn on the news on any channel any day and you see these events from happening. She's in denial because it doesn't fit that political agenda that we don't need cops and that people should protect themselves.
3: Right. Uh, there is smashing grabs. I mean, how could she not see that? I mean, I see more of a police presence now that people came back. But I I have not talked to one cop in New York. I've been in Atlanta. Uh, Florida, is no, there's no problem. Uh, where else have I been? Upstate uh, New York City, which is like a different planet compared to here. So I've probably been in Philadelphia. Uh, no, I've been to three cities in Pennsylvania, one in Connecticut. And I've the first thing I do is talk to the police. And nobody says it's gotten better. Even though people are realizing it's been a year and people are realizing that to fund the cops is political suicide and going to crush people, they say they don't feel any better yet, and they don't feel like anything's changed yet. Do you, What do you think?
10: Before my life in the FBI, I was a cop, and I have a lot of friends who are still cops. They're all getting out because the reality is they're not being backed. The city is not any safer anywhere you go in the country. Because the prosecutors aren't stepping up and doing the right thing, we need to put this on the shoulders of those who are in elected positions, these prosecutors who have their liberal agendas, and they're hurting the country.
3: All right, uh, I want you to hear what Larry Krasner said I'm talking to John Einarelli, he's a retired FBI special agent, a member of the executive staff of the FBI cyber division. Uh, so this is larry krasner he can, He can be typified and be characterized as a left-wing zealot he's philadelphia's district attorney and he's all about the criminal and even though we have record in burglaries shoplifting and homicides he
8: said this yesterday cut 20. i think it's important that we don't let this become mushy and bleed into the notion that there's some kind of a big spike in crime there isn't there is not a big spike in crime that is not true there is also not a big spike in violent crime. Neither one of these things is true. Basically, we don't have a crisis of lawlessness. We don't have a crisis of crime. We don't have a crisis of violence.
7: The
3: numbers tell exactly a different story. How can he do that? I mean, how could he say this?
10: Well, he's telling us, don't believe your lion eyes. And by the way, I would not be using the word bleed in my plea that nothing is wrong in my city when you have 521 homicides in this year alone the numbers are ridiculous and the people that he's supporting the criminals are going to continue to do what they do and hurt the honest citizens
3: well i have to tell you uh the, i'm kind of heartened by the fact that the former mayor who's a democrat came out and ripped him in an editorial in the philadelphia Inquirer. his mic, my, name is michael nutter he says larry krasner was an apology to the 521 families of philadelphia's homicide victims uh, he went on to say, "It takes a certain audacity and ignorance and white privilege to say that right now." As of Monday, 521 soul spirits have been vanquished, eliminated, and murdered in the city of Brotherly Love, the most most since 1960. I have to wonder what kind of messed up world of white wokeness Krasner is living in to have so little regard for human lives, many of them black and brown, while he advances his own national profile as a progressive district attorney. They're trying to recall the one the district attorney in Los Angeles, again, in San Francisco, he is at least publicly changing his tune. What planet is this on, and how significant is it that that's a Democrat, black Democrat?
10: And he was a pretty liberal person himself when he was in office, and yet he's not crazy enough to be able to say there's no problem. This issue is amazingly real. And you know what, Brian? It's the people of color that are being affected the most by it, So while there's all this talk about wanting to help these inner city communities, these are the people being victimized. These are the people that want the cops out on the streets to fight crime.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, John, a couple more topics real quick Uh, in terms of what we witnessed with that school shooting. With the uh, with the mother and father running after and we see the text messages saying next time don't get caught when he was looking at ammo and we know about the drawings and the comments. So the, the the parents are arrested. I was listening to lawyers though. They don't think they can be charged. Do you think they can be charged?
10: I think there's going to be some issues. Now I was an FBI agent in Detroit. I understand the culture. Guns are very common, hunting, etc. But there's a difference between teaching a child to be responsible with a weapon and providing a weapon to someone who has demonstrated anger towards people or interest in weapons and hurting people. There was a counseling with the school just three hours before the shooting. All of that's going to play in. And then the idea of guilt in the fact that they fled to avoid law enforcement.
3: The cyber attacks that come from Russia. Uh, that come from China. The fact that they have a hypersonic missile program shows that we've been hacked. They basically took our program from 10 years ago and built on it. Uh, where are we at? Because the President Biden says we put together a cyber defense team, an A-list cyber defense team. Do we have that?
10: We certainly have some great cyber people, but I will tell you we're outnumbered. It's China, it's Russia, it's also Iran, North Korea. There's a lot of nation states out there that are after us. And that is going to be the next war. The reality is if they can shut down the power grid, think about turning off the electricity here in New York City, the kind of damage that can do. Those are the things we have to be looking for.
3: I also think about satellites too because that's where the next war is and you have Space Force and how they're being controlled. But the other thing to keep in mind is that it's the private industry. I mean, we watch Sony be hacked. Is it up to the government to protect Sony from North Korea? Is it up to... Uh, the government to protect Apple and Google? Um, Where does that line be? How, how's that line drawn?
10: It's up to everybody. Just like the analogy of you want the cops to come to your house when you're robbed, but I kind of expect you to lock your door at night. Companies need to be putting cyber protection in place and need to be vigilant. We have to work together because in the end, we're all going to be the victims. Right. Uh, but do you think we're up to the task? I think there's great talent out there. I'm not sure that we have that talent at work. There is so many cyber positions understaffed in this country because we need more people, and we just don't have them yet.
3: Do you believe that it's been overstated that the FBI has been asked to investigate these school board uprisings?
10: I think uh, the fact that the FBI has been asked to investigate this at all— is another thing that is just absolute nonsense. The FBI has much more important things to do than to be looking into what the parents are doing at school boards. That's a local problem, if it's a problem at all, and it's a misuse of federal resources. Do you
3: believe it's happening?
10: I certainly believe it's happening. I think that it's been directed by the attorney general that the FBI needs to take a look at these issues under the guise of domestic terrorism, which it is not and it is something that makes me concerned of the overreach by the U.S. government.
3: John Yannarelli, a retired FBI special agent. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Go get him. Uh, when we come back, we'll take your calls, one 408 7669 and then talk about the threats that are Russia and China. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back from the fox
5: news podcasts network download and listen to the untold story with martha mccallum the host of the story on fox news channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com
2: if you're interested in it brian's talking about it you're with brian kilmeade
7: President Biden recently
10: passed his historic infrastructure bill that will benefit all Americans in many different ways. But apparently a post on on Slate.com claims you wouldn't know it because Americans aren't tuning in. So I guess the the question is why don't people want to hear the good news for a change? Or are we so addicted to people bashing that we don't recognize uh, uh, good things
7: that are meant to help us Mm -hmm. unless they're couched in a package that isn't hysterical like oh my god is he going to blow up the world you know is that what we
10: need to to hear when something good is happening here
3: yeah another reason every time i play the view of cuts i'm just so glad i don't watch it but i do want to share it because sadly many people do watch it for some reason it's the angriest show most toxic environment i know now four people that have quit there and it was the happiest days of their lives when they did Uh, It's just a horrible bunch of human beings. She's an example of it. So the problem is that Joe Biden doesn't know how to sell his good news. That's the problem. That's her idea. Sell the problem. So they're comparing it to Trump. Now, by the way, in almost all the polls, uh, they're in a dead heat in almost every state. That's what happens because he's doing the inverse of Donald Trump. You might not have liked Trump. But you probably like his results a lot better. And please don't tell me that this guy who promised to be the adult in the room when it came to the economy, when it came to the pandemic, tell me that you know anybody that's impressed by the way he's handled it. And they want to bring up all he said put bleach. One side comment by President Trump when he was saying this is how you clean your services. It would be great if they had something for the inside of people. And they said, well, how irresponsible. That's the way Trump governed. He didn't say everyone take bleach and no one took bleach and nobody died. That is all fiction. Just like he's pro-white supremacist when he said there's good people on all sides, but he didn't say he said there were other people protesting the takedown of statues. That was his point. Needless to say, uh, unartful way to say it, I'll get you that. I'll give you that. So let me just tell you what's going on also, and the reason why President uh, Biden has been even more divisive than President Obama and Trump and this mandate mania. What he promised not to do, he did. And it's gotten so bad that a second senator is now John Tester of Montana, who is usually spineless and gutless, but he's from an extremely red state. The so-called centrist Democrat, who always votes with the left, came out and said, listen, I'm not in favor. I'm not in favor of uh, of these mandates. I will vote with Joe Manchin for banning the mandates. That means they'll have a majority. It'll go to the House. The House says we will not take this up. However, Pelosi, the Speaker, will be forced to vote if the majority in in the House uh, sign a discharge petition to require that they do the four vote. What would that be? So what Kevin McCarthy's got to do is find about six Republican congressmen, Democrat congressmen, and, and just find out all of them, say who is for getting rid of these mandates in these Moderate states in these purple states. If you are a problem solver, remember that caucus. This is your time to stand up, not to be anti-vax, but to be pro-choice when it comes to vaccine. How hard would that be? When we come back, I'll talk to Brett Baer. But a special thanks to everybody at Amelia Island, Amelia Island in Florida yesterday, who came out, was able to talk about history, all my books, but especially the President and Freedom Fighter. I'll be in Fort Worth tomorrow, then over. To uh, Longwood, as well as Dallas, Tulsa, and Oklahoma City. It's going to be a busy time. I hope to see you out there. Go to briankilme.com and just register. And so we have some organization in this pandemic era. I know you're used to just showing up, they just want to know that you're coming.
5: With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at
2: FoxNewsPodcasts.com radio that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show
4: president biden was direct and straightforward with president putin as he always is he told president putin directly that if russia further invades ukraine the united states and our european allies would respond with strong economic measures we would provide additional defensive materiel to the ukrainians above and beyond that which we are already providing and we would fortify our nato allies on the eastern flank with additional capabilities in response to such an escalation.
3: Uh, that was Jake Sullivan uh, yesterday. People call him the wonder kid. I like to know what his role was in the German investigation. I hope that comes up at some point, but um, not the tough Leatherneck type person you think that Vladimir Putin would back off of what was actually discussed. Does anyone really know? Uh, Brett Baer joins us now, chief political anchor. If anyone would know, he would Fox News anchor of special report, of course, author of uh, to rescue the Republic, U- Ulysses S Grant, Uh, The Fragile Union and the Crisis of 1876. Uh, Brett, first off, take a step back. What was it like at the Reagan Library last week?
9: You know what? Uh, It was great to be back in person for the Reagan uh, National Defense Forum, Brian. And, uh, you know, it's a special place. But there was a big group of bipartisan defense experts and people around the industry who are really concerned about what's happening with Russia and China specifically um but a lot of other fronts too so it was a big deal to be back in person so that was uh it was good to be there
3: right so and i want to come back to some of that interview in a second but first on uh the russia situation you know we're reading different accounts and the russian account says the president did not even bring up nordstrom too what are you hearing took place that you know for certain happened maybe on our end
9: well, i think there were you know threats about economic sanctions if Russia moves in. At least that's what the White House is saying and, um, and people in the room are saying. Uh, but you're right. He didn't talk about the pipeline. And that's one of the threats, is obviously if you get uh, Germany to agree that if Russia goes into Ukraine, that that pipeline is never operational. I mean, there was a hope, remember, in the Trump administration that that thing was going to fall apart anyway. Um, but it didn't. And the Biden administration President Biden said it was too far down the road and Germany wanted it. Um, That's really in doubt now.
3: So the two leaders, just according to some of the readout uh, uh, of the virtual meeting, asked their teams with with engaging in what uh, what Kremlin called substantive consultations on sensitive European security issues. They want their respective teams working on things under the wire from here on in. But I've talked to a few people, you talk to them every day, that said that this invasion is happening in January. Uh, and that they're not waiting any longer. And I guess it was serious enough that the Secretary of State went there, Other, uh, the head of NATO went there, and now they have this virtual meeting. Do you think that anything changed, uh, anything's likely to change from here on in?
9: I mean, I don't think anything changed from the phone call, um, from everything we gather. Uh, and, you know, the question is uh, risk-reward for Putin and whether he decides that um It's in his better interest to move forward, considering that he is making a bet that the Biden administration won't do anything that severe. I think Ukraine is the question mark. And um, if we are getting lethal weapons into them and advisors, uh, you know, then then you're looking at a real war.
3: Right. Uh, And the question is, would we uh, would actually do that? So from their perspective, they say that we are militarizing the Ukraine, building them up and surrounding them. Uh, with NATO allies, from his perspective, do you think he really means that? Do you think that that does have them freaked out? Or does he just want to reconstitute the Warsaw Pact and the Soviet Union, and and this is getting in the way?
9: Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a former KGB officer. Um, what he says at, at the front, you know, publicly probably is not exactly what it's uh, the reality is. Uh, I think there's a lot of ifs here, but it bo- it seems like. They're going in, and everything we talked to the intel folks—it's 175,000
7: by by January. Troops
9: on that border.
3: Here's MAR ELIASON last night from your show, Cut 10.
7: I think the big question from today is when Jake Sullivan says he looked Putin in the eye and says we're going to do things that we didn't do in 2014. What does that mean? Does that mean? Canceling Russia's access to the international banking system through a program called SWIFT? Does it mean that you'd, that would in effect freeze the bank accounts of oligarchs and President Putin? I mean, that would be something that would probably hurt. But if they just do the kind of sanctions that they did in 2014, we know that that didn't deter Putin from annexing Crimea. So we have to see what the U.S. and its European allies come up with that would really make a difference to Russia.
3: So let's see what happens. I guess we'll see what happens from here. Uh, What is the mood inside the administration that you know of being that the the Afghanistan disaster has left them vulnerable to criticism on all fronts among allies, their own party and certainly Republicans?
9: Yeah, I think there's a lack of reality. Uh, There continues to be this uh, praising or patting on the back about the airlift. Out of Afghanistan, but in reality, that uh, you know cost not only uh, Americans on the ground and leaving people and thousands of Afghan allies, but it also changed the dynamic. It seems with other adversaries who may feel emboldened because of what they witnessed with Afghanistan. And I think there are a lot of foreign policy experts who think that's exactly what's happening right now with Russia and with China.
3: Here is uh, the moment that everybody was talking about, and I still can't get over, because he had so much time to come up with a crisp answer. Uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, to your question.
9: Do you have any regrets about the Afghan withdrawal?
13: Brett, I regret the fact that uh, we lost 13 of our finest at Abbey Gate. I regret that we lost 10 civilians in an errant strike. Having said that, Brett, I want to make sure that we don't, we don't lose sight of the fact that our American forces in 17 days evacuated 124,000 people.
3: Oh, I could not believe he went there. They talk about the evacuation. Yeah. But go ahead. Your, your thoughts were sitting there.
9: First of all, I thought he was having a stroke there for a second. I mean, he just was silent, and I I didn't know what was going on at first. And thank God that was in person, because, you know, if it was digital and over a satellite feed, I would think I lost my IFB. Um, but it, it was a moment, and, you know, there, there was not a lot of time. They were rapping me hard to finish up the interview. And I wanted to follow up about, you know, the billions of dollars of equipment left on the ground and the Afghan allies and the Americans. Um, But we had to move on. And I think, you know, it's interesting. Some of the answers he gave were illuminating. That one was not. And it's a it's a problem for this administration. That moment, Afghanistan, is a problem.
3: Because when you watch their testimony, it wasn't any of their ideas. They would prefer uh, Millie and Austin to be listened to. They weren't, so they had to implement a plan they weren't signed off on, and they weren't willing to fall on the sword. But they weren't even they weren't going to give up their jobs either. So it happened on their watch, and it's on. Uh, I think to a degree, they're shocked we're still on this story.
9: I know, you know. I mean, there, the Biden administration is actively trying to lobby. Uh, Media organizations to cover the economy better, to cover them better. Um, you know this Dana Milbank column that suddenly he's getting covered worse than President Trump. I think you need to take another look at that, Dana, because um, you look at the media coverage of every aspect of the Trump administration and look at uh, what what the Biden administration is seeing now. I think Afghanistan was really a hinge point, and it was one that crossed party lines. And we are one of the only news organizations that's continuing to cover.
3: Um, that is, uh, I, I, my analogy is this, and tell me if you think this works. If I was to ask what happened on 9-11, and you focused on how New York, your answer was how New York cleaned up brilliantly after 9-11 and, and was able to rebuild, or even rebuilding took so slow, the way the rapid cleanup took place, that wasn't the question. What happened that led to the 9-11 attack? He quickly pivoted to a political answer, and I just would expect more from somebody who spent his life in uniform. I just was was just crestfallen to hear that because when you go to the Patriot Awards and you talk to all these military men and women, they are sacrificed, they are just crushed because they feel like they wasted their lives uh, fighting over there, and others are still working harder than he is to get people out of there.
9: It's it's a horrible answer, and it was uh, it was just shocking. It made more so by the the pause, I think. Um, you know, listen, we covered a lot of topics. Uh, that one definitely was not uh, not his best answer.
3: Right. Um, all right, Brett Baer, thanks so much. Have you picked your panel out? Uh,
9: we have. Who do we have tonight? Molly Hemingway, Juan Williams, and I think Byron York tonight. Uh, congrats on the book success, Brian.
3: Yeah, it's hanging in there. You know, a lot of people are into yeah. history and followed up and get a lot of questions about to rescue the Republic because you. It's almost as if we coordinated, Brett. Like you pick up where <laughs> I left
9: off, right? There you go. I saw Senator Cotton surprise you at the McLean event. That's pretty good.
3: Yes, uh, he has as a guy as who's was in the infantry and is used to being a commander. He had very little command of his kids. <laughs> <laughs> they were running all over the Barnes and Noble. At one point, Allison, didn't he ask you, He goes, have you seen my son? Well, his, his <laughs> wife was there, and she's like, can you
13: just make sure my son is behind that step and repeat right,
3: there? And was he? He was, he was. Okay, yeah. But she
13: didn't see him for a little bit.
3: <laughs> was, I just <laughs> thought, like, he'd run it like a military battalion, and the, the kid We've was walking. There. They were just great, Dad. You cannot control little boys. Uh, Brett, thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. And although, uh, if people want to get tickets to your uh, to your
11: event,
9: yeah, AllStarPanelEvent.com, AllStarPanelEvent.com, Naples, uh, February 19th. If you have a Christmas present you have to give, this is a really good one. Check it out. It's going to be an amazing night.
3: Great. Uh, Brett, uh, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. you. When we come back, your phone calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. one And by the way, if anyone wants to get the President Freedom Fighter for Christmas, you could still go. If I'm not going to be in your town, and I think I'm in everybody's town, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Tyler, uh, Longwood. Uh, I'm going to be everywhere. going to be in, of course, uh, Thursday. I'm going to be in Fort Worth. But if I'm not going to be in your town, in Dayton or Cincinnati, uh, I forget, I think I got them all. If I'm not going to be there, just go to BrianKilme.com. It goes to my local bookstore. So I found out I'm up. I have 120 books to sign tonight and get out so you can get them customized. Merry Christmas, whatever you want to say. Uh, This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Educating. Entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to the one with Craig
5: Gutfeld, the co host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
2: breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
13: You have made it impossible to do this job. You have two settings, no decision and bad decision. I wouldn't let you run a bath without having the Coast Guard and the fire department standing by. But yet, here you are running America. You are the worst Thing that has happened to this country, I have had enough. I'm gone.
3: So that was an episode of Veep, right?
13: Yeah, that was a scene in Veep, which is a very funny show. I will say when one of her like chief, um, you know, assistants quit to Julia Louis Dreyfus, but uh, it's very applicable for the Kamala Harris situation because
3: he, because it shows a staffer too firing back. I'd rather quit to be labeled as somebody who worked for you. Mm. I thought the funniest thing was the tweet. By the way, that was funny. I hear that it is a funny show. I just have not made time for it.
13: It is a very funny show, and it really always lasts, so you should.
3: But I I will bring up uh, another—what was my my line of thought? Oh, but Kamala Harris' thing is fascinating, is that she's really doing nothing to combat it. I mean, there's no—I mean, you hear things about a crisis manager who was hired there six weeks ago, has done nothing. You would think that they would quickly just say, put on the jeans jacket, go to the border— you know, let's go have open forums We're to the point where we'd say, oh, this is so contrived. We, but she's just like, OK, what can you do? What can you do?
13: Where's the new staffer? Where's the high profile hire? I, I mean, know. The day when someone truly writes the book on what's happening here will be the interesting booker, like to hear what's going on behind the scenes. I
3: mean, here's an example. I'm amazed you don't have more stories about Joe Biden failing. I mean, he has bad days. We watch it. Most of the time, he's by himself in front of a hostile crowd. You don't have anyone say, you know, it's unbelievable how many times I've got to repeat myself to him. My goodness, you know, he falls asleep in meetings. You know, you heard little things about Reagan back then, and I wasn't paying much attention. I was in high school, junior high school, and you heard stuff about Reagan being detached and his staff being too powerful and his wife getting involved, okay? That was not nearly the volume of reporters that we have today, Politico and The Hill and— All these newspapers—newspapers don't exist, but online, you know, Washington Post and New York Times, it was just a few. And now you have all these different people. Not one has written, according to reports, a key aide says that he does not retain anything.
13: Reagan was also a Republican.
3: Yeah. That was part of it? But didn't you also get—obviously, the Clinton stuff leaked out. I mean, obviously, I remember, uh, you know, I only—I don't have any— intelligent thoughts about Carter. I don't I remember being in like sixth, seventh grade, but you, you, you heard, you knew when things went wrong, and, and, but you, know, you knew big things. But you hear none of the gossip behind the scenes with him. But with her, everything turns out to be true. She is terrible in front of people. She does laugh at the wrong time. This is the second time she assembled the staff, and they fall apart before her eyes. But in the beginning, it only affected her and her donors. But now it's affecting us. This could be a time. That if you were, for example, Mike Pence, and the president was clearly failing. Mike Pence is so well-schooled and knows Congress so well, he was invaluable to President Trump. But Trump was in charge. No one doubts that. You really, if you were a competent VP, a selfless one, that could really run things behind the scenes, those stories would be leaking out.
13: But, Brian, they didn't pick her for her competence. They picked her for her gender and her color.
3: Right. They narrowed down this election I promise a woman. I promise a minority, and still he wanted Governor Whitmer of Michigan. And she said, "Take me out of the mix." And Klobuchar said, "Take me out of the mix too," because she didn't want to be labeled. She would have probably been. She would have probably been president. Actually, I mean, bringing I'm, her
13: up though, there is rumors that they um, sort of modeled some scenes in Veep after Klobuchar. I think the one about her shaving her, having an assistant shave her legs, just to bring it full circle. Apparently, she was a little. That crazy was in a scene on HBO. I didn't see it, but, yeah, apparently they did it after um, an alleged rumor with Klobuchar. It's been written about, you know, back when she was running.
3: Well, you know the thing, the problem is she evidently uh, had to eat a salad with a spoon. Or, no, a salad with a knife or something. When she freaked because, out. Yeah, and she freaked out at everybody because she had no utensils.
13: I mean, to be fair, you do that to me all the time when we're on the road.
3: Right. Where are my utensils? Uh, I know. I don't want anyone even to think that. I don't do that. Um Real quick, I'm going to be outnumbered at the top of the hour, and I'm supposed to be on Neil Cavuto at four, but I was supposed to be on Neil Cavuto before, right?
13: He likes to book you and then cancel you right. just to mess with the How many head? times has he done that? Countless.
3: Right, and he does it. A lot of times he will run an old package instead of me. He'll go back. I want to look back at my career rather than you do Brian kill me Live.
13: Because that's more interesting.
3: Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I'm supposed to be on with Neil uh, then, and then uh, tomorrow I'm supposed to be doing Oh, Tomorrow I'm going to Fort Worth. Friday going to Dallas and Longwood. Saturday going to begin Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And then Sunday, is it a day of rest and worship? Sunday
13: we fly home. Right.
3: Rest and worship? Yep. All right, fantastic. Directly?
13: It is a direct flight. That's all I ask. I know.
3: Right. You don't want to put put your future in the hands of the airlines.
2: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. At the bottom of the hour, the great Martha McCallum be joining me in studio. Uh, And Howie Kurtz is uh, in our D.C. Bureau. We're going to unwind what is happening uh, with media organizations, uh, with what's going on over at CNN. The backstory: it looks like they're going to declare war on each other. Uh, Zucker against Cuomo, unbelievable. The epic fall of the Cuomo brothers. It's hard to put that in perspective. I've never seen anything like it uh, as just part of the... Uh one of these things where sometimes news gets somewhat predictable. We're always going to have a problem with Russia. It seems we're always going to be clashing with Iran. And then there's this. I did not see that coming. And we'll discuss all that, too, including the news that we woke up to today that I walked into. Uh, it was like the. It was like 12 noon, uh, but yet it was 345 in the morning. I'm walking into our building, and I see nothing but cop cars and fire trucks in front of our building. I'm thinking it's got to be on 50th. It's got to be on 49th. Wait, till it's on 48th. Uh, Some nut job just put our Christmas tree five hundred half million dollars on fire and just smoked out the whole first floor of Fox News, 1211 Sixth Avenue. He's under arrest. He's going to be arraigned a little bit later today. But it is part of an overall lawlessness story uh, in New York and maybe your city, probably your city, let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
4: But literally, who enforces it? Like, who's the person? Do you check with each company to make sure all their employees are vaccinated? Are you going to find the companies if they don't? So
5: we have experience
4: already with private sector, with as
5: I said, restaurants and others, indoor entertainment. We had almost no fines. There was a lot of cooperation. Our Department of Health is going to work with the business sector.
3: Oh, there is a ton of backlash from what Mayor de Blasio, soon-to-be former Mayor de Blasio, has done in New York City. Mandate mania. Court siding with the freedoms and liberty in New York. Uh, so far, they're re-examining these mandates, whether they are indeed constitutional. And the nation, when it comes to the vaccine, and maybe today in the Senate, as at least two Dems have joined Republicans to ban the vaccine, man- the, the vaccine mandates.
6: Number two. Some of the retailers downtown in Michigan Avenue, I will tell you, I'm disappointed that they're not doing more to take safety uh, and make it a priority. For example, we still have retailers that won't institute um, plans like having security officers in their stores.
3: Yes, let's blame the retail stores. Crime and no punishment. No city is safe in the lefty squad like DAs and zealots are the reason, as even the Fox Christmas tree is a target, up in flames because of some psycho. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Even the White House knows they can no longer be associated with this pro-criminal
4: policy. Number one. President Biden was direct and straightforward with President Putin, as he always is. He told President Putin directly that if Russia further invades Ukraine, the United States and our European allies would respond with strong economic measures.
3: Jake Sullivan, last shot. Joe, to back off our two foes, China and Russia. Biden versus Putin, no script, no prompter, a lot at stake. What took place behind the scenes in the Joe Vlad sit-down? We'll discuss it and what it means for you and the Ukraine. And while China lesses out after our diplomatic boycott of the Winter Games, is that enough? Uh, let's bring in Howie Kurtz, host of Media Buzz. You see, you, uh, see him every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Uh, it ends at 12. And you can follow him at Howard Kurtz. Uh, Howie, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Uh, First off, on your reaction to finding out that our tree is a target of vandalism and arson.
11: Absolutely stunned. I mean, what kind of low life? How low do you have to go to torch a Christmas tree? I had no idea. It cost a half a million dollars. I don't know whether this guy hated Fox, hated Christmas, or just generally is insane. But it's a tragedy, and I was really happy to see... Uh, and This has been publicly released that our CEO of Fox News Media, Suzanne Scott, said the tree is going to be rebuilt and, you know, greater than ever because you can't bow to this kind of terrorism.
3: I know. I mean, we're not going to get another tree that size, but hopefully close. I mean, it was a, I don't know if you had a chance to see, it, but it was enormous. What's happened, Howie, which is pretty amazing, just a credit to the company over the last three years, this has become an attraction where people from out of town. Not last year, obviously, but people from out of town start no. coming because they, they did it on the election. Fox did a great job imprinting this is a place to be on election night. And now they're doing it with Christmas. And it was really packed. When you walk out here at night, the crowds were packed, people taking pictures of it. It was a direct attack on you know Fox, but it's emblematic of the lawlessness. This guy was known to the cops in the area because he was he seems to have uh, emotional issues, to be kind, has been arrested twice this year already.
11: Man, it makes you wonder, and in cases where you know people actually get wounded or killed, you know how it is that people are let out on bail after repeat offenses. The police often know who they are. Uh, that's really something. What's going on? You
3: worked over at CNN. Are you shocked the series of events? And if so, what portion of the Cuomo release and the firing uh, took you most by surprise?
11: Well, I'm shocked by a whole bunch of things that have happened in the years since I worked at CNN when it actually tried to at least be a straight news network. But, you know, what was most amazing to me is the role of Jeff Zucker because he bears as much responsibility for this as does Chris Cuomo. No question about it, Chris Cuomo, as I'm sure you've talked about at length, you know, crossed all kinds of journalistic red lines with the uh, – using his media contacts to kind of become part of his brother's defense team and all of that. And I, I, the more I found out about these texts and emails and the constant nature, the less I felt any sympathy for him at all because in his mind he was aiding his brother. But Jeff Zucker did nothing, did not – Uh, asked for an internal inquiry when this first came out months ago, did not uh, even give him a slap on the wrist, did not even publicly criticize it. Then suddenly, boom, he's suspended. And then five days later, boom, on a Saturday night, CNN has its own Saturday night massacre. Chris Cuomo is gone, and now there's a war of words between the two sides. So I'm both surprised that nothing was done earlier, and there seemed to be a blatant double standard. And I was surprised that uh, he uh, lost the job as quickly as he did, and now... There was an effort by Zucker and CNN to say, you know, what he did was horrible, awful. Of course, we couldn't allow him to continue.
3: Here is uh, the moment when Chris Cuomo says his brother got a raw deal. Andrew
2: had his party enforcing a rule against them, him, that if you have accusations, you have problems. And you don't really get to vet the accusations and you don't get to go against your accusers. I did not want him to resign in the beginning because I believed him. And I thought that you don't resign, you ask for due process and leave the women alone and let due process take care of the situation. Um, But eventually, when there wasn't going to be due process and his party was against him, and obviously the Republicans weren't going to help him, then he had no choice because he couldn't do the work of the state anymore. So... He was explaining that on his radio
3: show, and then he was got, he got suspended, and then he got fired a few days later because, I guess, the sexual harassment allegations that have emerged from his days at ABC.
11: Yeah, and I, I have a little bit of a problem with that, and, and I can tell you from my reporting that the Chris Cuomo camp believes – that that was the tipping point, that an attorney went to CNN last week and said, I have a client who says that there was some kind of sexual misconduct more than 10 years ago. We don't know who the accuser is. We don't know what the nature of the accusation is. But I'm sure from CNN's point of view, it'll be, OK, more bad stories, one more headache. Uh, and so I think if, if they were very close to firing him, that clearly may have helped. The CNN denies that. But let me talk a little bit about Chris Cuomo's view of the media. I've known Chris Cuomo a very long time. I've interviewed him many times. I know Andrew as well. Chris Cuomo grew up resenting the media because his father, of course, was Mario Cuomo. When Chris was a teenager, he's living in the governor's mansion in Albany. And uh, he felt that the press, although Mario Cuomo, you know, was, was celebrated by many on the liberal side of the media, there were always these sort of mob rumors that were completely unfounded. So Chris Cuomo grew up with a kind of a natural resentment of the media. And then he thinks the media have been unfair to his brother. And so even though he's part of the media and was, you know, the the top rated host at CNN and probably the face of CNN for all intents and purposes, um, he always had this resentment, which I think came out. Uh, When his brother became came under investigation and ultimately was forced to resign uh, or face certain impeachment.
3: So the one thing I found the biggest surprise for me, Howie, maybe not you, is that it's going to be war. He wants his 18 million dollars. He was getting six million dollars a year to do that one hour show. Uh, Astounding number, uh, especially because he was not winning. So. He was getting, he probably would have had that for life had this not come up, but now he's suing for it, and he also indicated, too, his offense is going to be Jeff Zucker knew everything, so he's going to look to burn down the house unless he gets the, oh, I guess he gets a, a portion of his $18 million. Does that surprise you, that he's going to go this far?
11: Well, it's not quite there yet. I did some reporting on this as well before I uh, talked about this on Fox, and, um, Although there was a New York Post story saying Chris Cuomo preparing to sue for his full salary, um, sources on both sides tell me that that hasn't happened yet. Now, could there ultimately be litigation? It's a hell of a lot of money. Yes. But at the moment, he's not suing. Uh, Usually what happens with these high-level departures when there's so much money at stake is there's negotiations and there's some kind of settlement. Nobody wants to get into a courtroom and have to testify about this. More bad publicity for Zucker, more bad publicity for CNN, certainly more bad publicity for Cuomo. And so, you know, usually usually there'll be – you know, you get a lot of money but you don't get all of the money. At the same time, when you talk about war of words, that is absolutely true. Uh, Cuomo's camp, uh, his spokesman, putting out statements saying that uh, he remained in very close contact with Jeff Zucker, uh, that uh, there were no secrets kept from Jeff Zucker. I mean, look, Jeff Zucker was Cuomo's champion. He hired him eight years ago. He defended him publicly through all kinds of controversies, including the thing that he greenlighted last year, which is was where this is all rooted, which was the Andrew and Chris show, the brothers yucking it up with the oversized Q-tips and all of that. So now it's like, no, 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 he didn't tell us, we didn't know, we had no idea. And it may be that some of the details Chris did not level with. I don't know. Uh, So at the very least, there's a war of words. Whether it becomes a legal war remains to be seen.
3: So the other thing I want to talk about is what Dana Milbank wrote. He actually wrote a column saying that Trump and and Biden got the same negative coverage. In fact, they treat Trump better. Here's him explaining that on CNN, Cut 35.
10: The folks who did this uh, for me, they cast a very wide net. So you'd get the, the extremes and also all of us in the middle to the greatest extent possible. Uh, It's kind of what you would expect. It started out, for Biden, fairly favorable coverage the first few months of the year. Uh, The last four months, however, uh, Biden has been uh, at where Donald Trump was or lower than where Donald Trump is in terms of media sentiment. I mean, it's not bias. It's the actual words we're using. So uh, we are as negative as a collective media uh, on Joe Biden, if not more so, than we were to Donald Trump at a time when he was trying to overthrow democracy. And I think that's a tremendous indictment of our whole industry.
3: What do you think about his his conclusion?
11: Well, first of all, even if the numbers are accurate, there's negative and there's negative. I've done a zillion of these studies. And so a negative story on Joe Biden might be Joe Biden has been slipping in the polls and can't seem to pass his agenda on Capitol Hill. That's negative. Negative on Donald Trump would be the guy's a racist, a misogynist, and a psychopath who is trying to destroy the country. That would also count as a negative. But beyond that, Dana Milbank at The Washington Post goes on to say that the press, and he includes you know, all of our organizations, um, is being an accessory to destroying democracy by not giving Biden more favorable coverage Than Donald Trump. And that basically is a call for journalists to be activists. That what? If Biden is having all kinds of problems, we should sugarcoat it. We should should ignore it. We should play it down because we don't want to enable Trump and a possible comeback in 2024. I mean, this is what a lot of people think about the media already, that they hate Donald Trump so much that he can't get a a break and that they are protective of Joe Biden. There has been some tough coverage of Biden, but nothing like the magnitude and the uh, viciousness uh, that Marked the four years of the Trump presidency and the coverage of Donald Trump today. So I, I have to say that Milbank's call for us to change the tone of the coverage of President Biden, because he thinks Donald Trump is such a, a horrible uh, human being, uh, plays into what a lot of people already think about the president's not playing it straight when it comes to coverage of the White House.
3: Howie, I think I, I also hear stories from Inside Washington that Jen Psaki and, her press, and the press corps and, and, the pre, and the press shop are trying to get more favorable coverage, talking to different members of the media, saying, guys, we'll get, uh, stop emphasizing the good numbers, not the bad. Is that happening?
11: Um, I don't have any firsthand knowledge on that, but it sounds like uh, the kind of spin that any White House uh, might engage in where you're calling reporters and say, OK, you may think the country's going to hell. But if you look at this statistic and this economist says this and so forth, uh, the question is whether the press is buying it. I have no problem with Jen Psaki and anybody in the White House trying to sell their story, a more positive story. It's a tough sell right now, which is one of the reasons that Biden is way down in the polls. Uh, the question is whether that spin is being swallowed whole or you know or chewed up and spit out by the intended recipients who are the journalists that cover the White House and the administration.
3: Yeah, there's a lot. Man, uh, there's a lot going on this week for you. I know it's too early to get your show set because so much can happen Thursday, Friday. But um, I guess I could uh, do
11: two hours right now. You can. <laughs> you're
3: going to have to blow the break uh, yeah. uh, on just the Christmas tree. Absolutely. Good visuals. Howie Kurtz, thanks so much.
11: Great to talk to you, Brian. All
3: right, check out Media Buzz uh, Sundays at 11. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to come right back uh, with your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. At the top of the hour, I am going to find a way to leave this show and in one minute get on Outnumbered and play the role of the man. Wish me luck.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast.
5: Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one on one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're
4: with Brian Kilmeade. The discussion between President Biden and President Putin was direct and straightforward. There was a lot of give and take. There was no finger wagging. All I will say is that um, the ultimate metric for whether the world is safer or not is facts on the ground and actions taken, in this case, by Russia.
3: Uh, that is Jake Sullivan talking about what he said was the perception from our side in the one-on-one virtual conference with Vladimir Putin at stake, maybe the future of Ukraine, who they're desperately trying to get back in their orbit, and they've really been in that country since 2014 as unwelcome guests after they first took Crimea and then made camp there, uh, and now basically surrounded the country with as, at minimum a hundred thousand troops. Martha McCallum knows this story well; has been covering it on her show at three o'clock, and joins us now in studio. Martha, great to see you. Hi, Brian. I, I don't have a clear picture yet of what was discussed and not discussed. We know about the aftermath and how the Russians are saying that Nord Stream 2 was not even brought up. We're still looking to get a clear readout. What do you think?
1: I think it's a difficult environment. In the first place, I think these Zoom calls, you know, I mean, I don't understand the president has gone to summits and he travels the country, not not as much as right. uh, some prior presidents. But I don't understand why both this meeting and the meeting with she were remote, because I just think we all understand how difficult it is to actually communicate anything when you're doing it that way. Especially so, a translator. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I do think that it was an interesting image to see Putin, you know, by himself at the big desk in the Kremlin and President Biden with four people sitting at the table with him. Whatever. The bottom line was the question that was just addressed in that soundbite. Are we safer post this meeting? And I think that the answer is unequivocally no. I mean, that this is, you know, there was nothing was laid down that would force him to be pushed back. We also made it clear. And I thought it was so interesting how carefully Jake Sullivan resisted the temptation to call it a red line. But he basically said, if they go in to ukraine to the sections that they're not already in uh if they go in that is what would trigger action on our part
3: here's what joe biden just said to the press moments ago
4: The meeting with putin i was very straightforward
3: there were no minced words it was polite but i made it very clear
4: if in fact he invades ukraine there will be severe consequences severe consequences ECONOMIC CONSEQUENCES
9: LIKE NONE HE'S EVER SEEN OR EVER HAD BEEN SEEN IN TERMS OF BEING IMPOSED. HE KNOWS HIS IMMEDIATE RESPONSE WAS HE UNDERSTOOD THAT AND I INDICATED I KNEW HE WOULD RESPOND. BUT BEYOND THAT, IF IN FACT WE WOULD PROBABLY ALSO BE REQUIRED TO REINFORCE OUR our PRESENCE IN NATO COUNTRIES TO REASSURE PARTICULARLY THOSE IN THE EASTERN Front. IN ADDITION TO THAT, I MADE IT CLEAR THAT
3: WE WOULD PROVIDE THE DEFENSIVE CAPABILITY TO THE uh, Ukrainians as well. That's good. I mean, flood more troops into Poland and some friendly nations.
1: Romania.
3: Yeah. Where we had used to have a missile shield, mm-hmm. and Barack Obama just thought, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice to take it out? Right. Right. Uh, Martha McCallum, is, uh, she gave me a sarcastic nod. Only if you're watching Fox Nation, right. you want
1: pick
5: that up.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: I think that they're uh,
2: they're not very good because uh, I've personally ha- uh, been able to shoplift from here with relative ease. So
1: you shoplifted here? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that?
2: I was hungry.
6: And so you're saying that this doesn't deter you?
2: Uh, yeah.
3: So that was a shoplifter, just Go wearing ahead, a cloth mask. Us. Martha McCallum here, getting set to host her <laughs> show with three, been all over the, uh, the channel covering this, but dude, crime is everywhere. I mean, first off, when you walk in, you see our tree on fire.
13: Yeah, uh, well, good I morning. Did, good yeah, morning. Merry that, Christmas. Shannon
3: Bream, can you imagine that? Shannon Bream covering our Christmas tree in New York City on fire, live in her air. And uh, it looked like an inferno because you saw the size yeah. of that tree, right? Yeah. They're taking it apart now and, you know, on television not running from it. Tack- I talked to Mike who tackled the, the assailant this morning, and I said he put up a fight. He goes, once I got him to the ground, he didn't put up a fight. But evidently they know him. Here's Dermot Shea, uh, Dermot Shea talking about the guy that's under arrest will be arraigned today.
9: Well, the motive I, I don't think is clear at this point. Um, it, it's an individual that's known to us He has a, a series of low-level arrests some drug arrests. He, he was issued some earlier this year, some appearance tickets and didn't come back to court, which unfortunately is something we see all too often. He also has some low-level arrests in uh, out-of-state. I believe it's Texas.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, so that system well, works really well, right? Yeah. No, I, I think it's pathetic. I think it's pathetic that we cannot keep people who already have offenses in custody, I think it's pathetic that we don't have the police presence that we used to have because of the, you know, I think we have defunded the police. Now, it may not be in the sort of official way of cutting the budgets, but the but it, the, the police are are smaller. They're diminished in their ability to protect the city, this city, all the great cities across the country, because they've been demoralized. They've retired. They've left. It's been a brutal, brutal year and a half for them. Uh, since George Floyd's murder, so we have defunded them in every way that matters. That's what we've done. Then we wouldn't let them come back if they weren't vaccinated. So we have, in every possible way, in these cities which are democratic led, uh, Democrat led, we have used every ounce of our strength to create situations like what we saw last, like last night, like, out here on the on the plaza. What we've seen in L.A. with the horrific robberies, we've seen carjackings. Ex- ex- Accelerating. I'm sorry, I can't talk. I drank too much coffee about five minutes ago. Um, but it's so sad to me. It's absolutely heartbreaking that we've allowed this to happen, and it's really no surprise.
3: It's correctable. I still. Be, it's going to be hard. Somebody moving over, move turning a tanker, but tankers do turn. Mm-hmm. And I think it could start with a cascade of elections. They sent a big message on the board of education when the parents stood up, and they have to continue to speak up about the curriculum. Now you got to have a bunch of cities stand up in the city residents and say this is not okay. And Eric Adams could lead a charge. What an opportunity he has to replace the worst mayor, the laziest person with the worst instincts, who is at war with the governor, and we all pay the price here. I mean, no, I know you don't live in New York, but you work here, and you see how we pay we the price. We basically live in New York, all they, of us, would, right? Uh, yeah.
1: 20, 20 plus years of spending every single day in this city, and we love New York. That's why we stay here. But it is, you're right. Eric Adams has an enormous opportunity to bring this city together and to say things that are absolutely unifying, which is we want to live in a safe city. He has said that. He needs to put his actions behind that and show that he means it. He needs to empower the police, of which he was part of the force. He needs to talk Tell them we have your back so that the police don't turn their back on him at funerals like they did to Bill de Blasio. Um th- this is a potential huge turning point. Everybody wants the same things in this city and every city across the country. You want to be able to walk down the street. You don't want to see the kind of things that I'm looking at on the screen right now. How embarrassingly pathetic is it to break windows in a store and run out with your arms full of stuff? How does anybody do that with well, their head held high? Well,
3: we just heard somebody admit to shoplifting how easy it was. Oh yeah. And then we did and this is in this is organized. And there's people waiting. There's organized crime waiting to resell this stuff. And this is what's astounding, and this is what heartens me. So Democrats are beginning to push back, if not for their own, if not for the, because it's the right thing to do for their own political future. So AOC says this, cut sixteen.
6: We have to talk about the specifics because, for example, we're actually seeing a lot of uh, these allegations of organized retail theft are not actually panning out. Like when, like these, believe it's a Walgreens in California cited it, but what they, but the data didn't back it up.
1: I mean, seriously, what is she talking about? Does she not have eyes to see what is going on across this country? When Oprah Winfrey comes out and says, this is enough is enough. The world is upside down. And she spoke out because she was so upset about the murder that happened in Beverly Hills of this lovely 81 year old woman who was a friend of hers. But. But, I, you know, people say, oh, well, once it starts to touch people like that and it happens to people that they know, then they get incensed. Well, you know what? If that's, if that's where we're at, then then I think that's fine. We need action. We need people to start changing the way they talk about the situation and ignoring it and closing your eyes to it and pretending it's not happening like AOC is doing. It is just simply not going to fly. Pe- people know what they what's happening.
3: Jackie Heinrich asked the question, Jen Psaki, I'm not going to play it, and about AOC, and and she said we don't agree. We have the we have uh, seen some extremely disturbing videos uh, showing retail theft. State and local leaders, like and Governor Gavin Newsom, have identified this as serious concern. They're trying to separate it. Sometimes they like ask reporters to ask that question. I wouldn't be surprised if that was it. But these it comes down to these district attorneys that run for election in Philadelphia. And we saw in Waukesha, we find out this guy calls himself the father of this, uh, these left-wing elected officials. What about the D.A. in San Francisco? What about the one that's going to be recalled in Los Angeles, hope, uh, Gascon? Hopefully they'll be successful. But listen to Larry Krasner not even acknowledging in Philadelphia that crime is up.
8: Cut 20. I think it's important that we don't let this become mushy and bleed into the notion that there's some kind of a big spike in crime. There isn't. There is not. A big spike in crime. That is not true. There is also not a big spike in violent crime. Neither one of these things is true. Basically, we don't have a crisis of lawlessness. We don't have a crisis of crime. We don't have a crisis of violence.
3: So, Larry, by the way, Larry Krasner says that, and Michael Nutter, a left-wing mayor, former mayor of Philadelphia, says he owes an apology to 521 families of Philly's Philly's homicide victims, and she went on to go into detail and he called it a degree. He said it takes a certain audacity of ignorance and white privilege. I mean, Here we go. To say that right now. But the, the ultra left wing do feel as though they know uh, how to take care of minorities. And the problem is the cops.
1: Well, the problem that you have. To them, oh, not to me. No, I, I mean, so what you have is people leaving these communities. Minority families leaving these communities, leaving the inner city, leaving some of these blocks half empty. The stores are being abandoned. So that is a trend that we've seen over the last several years. So what what happens is people – and, and what I, that the largest victims, the largest number of victims in all of these situations are people who live in these middle to lower class communities across – the, across the big cities in this country, so you know to say that this is an upper white class, white problem or you know to to couch it that way is is just absolutely inaccurate, and there's over a thousand homicides in Cook County in Chicago so i mean and, and people who are who live in the majority of those communities, they want police on their streets, they want to be protected, they want to feel safe just like everyone else does, and they don't want to abandon their cities, they don't want to abandon their blocks, but they're doing it, and you can't blame them for doing it.
3: This is why I think things are going to change, sadly, is because what you mentioned earlier, Beverly Hills is where we're seeing the crime and the murders. And now we saw Pacific Palisades, a Christmas party in a residential home, get raided. The video that you were watching referring to was a follow home. A guy in it seemed like a very nice house, so probably let's say upper middle class, gets followed home by two thugs. They break in the house with him. They do whatever they it's want and they take all their stuff. So they get 48th and 6th, where they burn our Christmas tree to the ground. We're watching this guy multiple, he's got multiple offenses this year. I'm reading about this story this morning about this guy that beat up a guy, got out of jail, and just beat up two women again the other day, beat him senseless. So you're seeing areas which were crime free and getting extra attention. It is, it is not crime-free anymore. And they're hitting the people with the money and the influence.
1: And you see it, you know, those of us who grew up in this area or any big city across the country, you it feels like— it's starting to feel like the '70s again, right? And the carjackings—I mean, I remember the last wave of carjackings decades ago, and it was—it was terrifying. People came up with all these ways to make sure that their cars couldn't get opened yeah. while they're driving them. Um, It—it is—it's it, a terrifying trend, and the, the reason that it's happening is because it's so easy to get away with it. So why wouldn't you? So if, if your buddy just robbed, you know, a Louis Vuitton down the street, and the next morning you see him, you know, at breakfast getting coffee, you get it. You get it. There's no ramifications. There's you, no downside.
3: You're not the news director, but if you were, how do you not tell this story? I, I watched CNN do a story on Saturday afternoon, and they did this whole story about these smashing grabs the you looting, and they did it without bringing up Title 42. Mm-hmm. So you watch the shop it's the foundation of all of this. It took a while to realize I could really steal $995 right. worth of stuff. Yes. How do you not do that? Just follow the line. You don't even have to have an opinion. You can't do the story without doing that. So how do you not put this on? How do you still run a network and talk about January 6th, 45 minutes of every hour?
1: I know. It's true. And, you know, when you look at – you can sort of juggle some of the crime statistics if you want them to come out the way you want them to come out. But the bottom line is that homicides are up double digits in most major cities across the country. Double digits. So – I, I don't know how you look at that and say, gee, this looks like a pretty rosy picture, like the like the mayor in, in Philadelphia. I, I think that, you know, Americans are very smart. This is the reason that you see wrong direction numbers in the 63 mm. percent area, because people get it. They don't they don't care what these politicians are telling them. They don't care what the mayors are saying to them. They understand their own experience. They understand the feeling that, that when they go out you just feel a little less safe. You're watching your right. back all the time. And gosh, we had enough anxiety increase over the last year and a half that now you also have to worry that somebody might follow you up your doorstep when you're going home at night.
3: Um, I can tell by your cadence I should talk now.
1: Yes, because that would
3: Thank you very much. If we could co-host, this is the type of things I would have to be a little quicker on, right? But Martha, you've never asked me to co-host with you, which just hurt my feelings. But Judge for Judge Janine asks me all the time to do that. I have no idea why. I'm going to be on Outnumbered a little bit later, and we have a couple more minutes, and I want to bring you to this. John Tester is going to vote with Joe Manchin today to uh, override President Biden's mandates when it comes to these vaccines. Right. Now, Nancy Pelosi won't pick it up in the House unless there's a petition and Democrats sign on to it with a majority, just one. You only need five, so you need six. With just one, roughly, it's hard to know who's retiring and who's leaving right away and who's sick. But let's say you let's in a majority of four or five to pick it up. Do you sense that some Democrats are saying, "Listen, Speaker Pelosi is leaving. She's going to be gone. Ninety-nine point nine percent sure. I just saw what happened the off-year election. I'm going to start doing the right thing. These mandates are polarizing, and they're terrible for my political career. What do you think?
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt." Um, you have people like Abigail Spanberger and all of these folks who are in suburban districts Fight where for their they lives. feel absolutely. And the writing is on the wall, and they, they get it. And now people are saying, you know, okay, so I got my third shot, and now I'm not allowed to go into this place or that place. It's, With my 12-year-old. Right, and I love this, this new Pfizer um, report that says the first two shots that you got don't necessarily defeat Omicron. <laughs> but the third one <laughs> right. definitely does. And Omicron? Wait till you see what the fourth one can do.
3: Right. And Omicron, by the way, Israel's up to four. Uh, Omicron gives you a runny nose and 99 fever. Yeah. Suck it up.
2: All right?
3: Yeah. We're done. (laughs) We're done. Martha McHale, I'm going to watch you at three today. Is that okay? Yeah,
1: we're going to talk to Betsy DeVos about what's going on in our schools across the country and the learning loss over COVID. Devastating story. Very
3: valuable because we need to change our curriculum and she knows how to
5: do it.
2: More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really
5: are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel.
3: Micro, who can do anything, just sang. When he saw that tree, to be honest, he was incensed. And as I mentioned and will mention throughout the, the show... Uh, our tree burned to the ground last night by some lunatic even though we got security it was just a matter of seconds we wrestled him to the ground he's been apprehended but he burned the tree to the ground it could have been much worse but instead we're out five hundred thousand dollars a half million dollars here's Dermot Shea the police chief who'll be retiring soon said about the suspect
9: well the motive I I don't think is clear at this point Um, it's an individual that's known to us He has a a series of low-level arrests, some drug arrests. He, he was issued some, earlier this year, some appearance tickets and didn't come back to court, which unfortunately is something we see all too often. He also has some low-level arrests in uh, out-of-state. I believe it's Texas.
3: So, uh, there you go, 49 years old. Next, a study reveals most dangerous Christmas songs to drive in. The study from the Irish car insurance provider, Ch- uh, Chill Insurance? I chill don't, Insurance. Really? Sounds like Found a good insurance company. It's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. We're not in a rush. We're going to get back to you. I know you're a little crazy right now, but I'm just chilling. Just chill. Dangerous Christmas Songs to Drive to by Adelaide's and the Beats Per Minute. Uh, here we go. Uh, the Reacher shows the songs of the beats per minute with over 120 are linked with uh, increased dangerous driving. Uh, number 10 is Jackson 5, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Number 9, Judy Garland, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Wizard, I Wish I Could Be Christmas Every Day. Uh, Gene Autry, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, Frank Sinatra, Let It Snow. John Lennon, can make you get in an accident. Number five, with Yoko Ono, who's terrible. Uh, Chris, well, war is over. Well, that's a great song, though. Cut four, Jackson, five, Santa Claus is coming to town. They got two in the top ten. Uh, and number three, Hello, uh, Jose Feliciano, blind. Feliz Navidad. Marie Car- uh, Mariah, Mariah Carey. Car- Car- Marie, sorry. <laughs> Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. And number one, to get you in an accident- Frosty the Snowman by Gene Autry.
13: That is a good song. Can I just go back, though, to I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? When you were on The Seven earlier this week, and you're like, what's that song? I Saw Santa Claus Kissing Mommy. It made me laugh out loud Really?
3: (laughs) But I wasn't trying to be funny.
13: I know. That's why it was even funnier. Thank
3: you. Uh, The 10 safest. I'll give you the one. The Pogues Fairy Tale of New York, number two. Eartha Kitts' Santa Baby.
13: You know what I don't see on there? Uh, Santa's Got a Dirty Job.
3: Right. Which is number one in the country. Next. Destination weddings help uh, help two and three couples get out of uninvi- get out of inviting unwanted guests. A new poll of two thousand Americans: the average respondent believes the perfect number of wedding guests is fifty six. However, it's a destination wedding; only thirty six percent of the people would show up. Almost one third of Americans think a smaller guest list would encourage them to have a destination wedding. The poll conducted by One Poll and Funjet Vacations. So, uh, the top three destination want desired destination weddings. White sand beaches, 45%. Is that, are they just talking about generally? I think if there's water and white sand, I guess. 43% want a castle. 42% a place of worship.
13: That's a destination, a place <laughs> I'm of not worship. Sure.
3: But I would say this I mean, I remember having so little money. I was lucky to be able to go down the block to have a wedding. It's not like, okay, and plus, if you're getting married in your 20s, unless the parents are wealthy, nobody has any money to go traveling around to a wedding.
13: But the thing is, general the general rule, if you do attend the destination wedding, you don't need to give them a gift. Oh, really? Because your gift is you traveling to go yeah. to the wedding. Then um, I wouldn't
3: have done that. Because in New York, I definitely needed the money. Yes. I was cashing in on my friendship.
13: <laughs> <laughs> That's why you had 500 people at your wedding?
3: Yes, I had a lot of people. Next, looking for remote work, one in three have uh, ended up in a bathroom or closet... The new poll of 2,000 Americans have worked from home throughout the pandemic. 41% share that they have found themselves working from their car. 34% of the bathroom, 33% in the closet. That's fantastic.
13: I do many a calls in our closet. I'm not going to lie. Really? Kids yeah. can't find oh, you yeah. there.
3: That's true. <laughs> uh, by the way, watch me on Outnumbered. I'll be there in about in seconds. I will be upstairs on Outnumbered looking very pretty.